Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. Well, as you heard uh, LeVan say, we are finishing up Hebrews this week, and it has taken us 10 months, and next week we will start Job, which is three times as long. <laughs> it is, but it won't take us three times as long at all. It's been a very encouraging book going through Hebrews as we've been learning that Jesus is better. Let's pray before we finish up. Lord, you know our hearts. You see everything that we've been singing this morning. And you know that we often turn to a variety of things on this earth that we think somehow it's going to satisfy more than Jesus. And we thank you how you've been reminding us these last several months about you're better. And we ask that you would bring that home once again to us this morning as we finish up this, this wonderful book. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's this time of year that um, a lot of graduations have happened and are happening in high school and in college. And I've always thought it was really cool to be the commencement speaker, you know, the speaker that no one pays attention to, hoping they hurry up and finish their speech. Well, that was me back in 2001 as I was a speaker at a high school of 23 students. <laughs> Big time, I know. And I could even tell there that people were like, hurry up and finish so that we can take a picture of our graduate and be on our way. And I, and I was thinking, I think that commencement speakers should summarize their speech into like a sentence or a question and just be done with it. And so in order to help out fellow commencement speakers, I have crafted one sentence, one question that could be the speech. And here it goes. Now that you know what you know, what are you going to do about it? That seems very appropriate, right? You learned all that stuff in school. Now what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to shift it a little bit now to apply it spiritually to you as we can go into the book of Hebrews. And it says something like this. Now that you know what you know about God and his will, what are you going to do about it? There are so many people who want to know God's will. Lord, just show me your will and I'll do it. Here you go. Now you know what you know. What are you going to do about it? It is revealed in his word. And so many times we're on board initially. I think about when I, I do weddings. Uh, I've done a whole one wedding since I've been here. But at my last church, I used to do a lot of weddings. And at the wedding, I tell the guy, look, man, and I say it in front of everybody, look, you are going to have to imitate Christ and die daily to serve your wife. And then I look at the wife, I said, you have to imitate the church to help your husband by submitting to him. And on that wedding day, the guy's like, dying every day is the greatest thing ever. And the wife is like, I just cannot wait to submit. 
Everybody is on board. Until 18 years later. How are you doing with that dying daily? How are you doing with that submitting daily? And we take a lot of these things that we've learned in the word, right? About loving people, about fleeing sexual morality, about giving generously, and we're totally on board with obeying the word of God. But there's something about over time that wears off. And we find ourselves stumbling and maybe not persevering like we should. And so I'm going to rephrase the question once again to say something like this. Now that you know what you know about God and his will, how are you going to keep doing it? You know his word, you know his will. Okay, how are you going to persevere and keep doing it? I maybe mentioned to you before that um, there was a pastor who baptized 10 people. And then he had a little reception for him afterwards. And he stood up at the reception and he said, you know what? If statistics of the American church hold, then this is what is going to happen to the 10 of you over the next three years. One will get divorced and leave the church. Three will leave because you got your feelings hurt. One, tragedy will strike and you'll leave. Two, you'll leave because of failure and shame. And two more, because you'll be disinterested. And one will remain faithful and engaged. Not very encouraging statistics. The book of Hebrews is about starting, running, and finishing. And not bailing on Jesus mid-course or bailing on Jesus at the end of your life, but continuing to persevere and run after Christ. If not, according to the word, you will be lost. Doesn't mean you lost your salvation. It means you never had it. Because believers will persevere until the end in their faith. Not perfection, but they're still following Jesus. And that's where the author wraps it all up as we finish up the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verses 20 through 25. He finishes it up with this prayer blessing. It's a combination of a prayer and a blessing in verses 20 and 21. And then he gives some personal details in verses 22 through 25. So I want to start with the personal details and then we'll go to the prayer blessing. So let's start with the personal details. Chapter 13, start with verse 22. But I urge you, brethren, bear with this word of exhortation, for I've written to you briefly. That's a long letter, briefly. He has given them this word of exhortation. And that word is Jesus is better. So persevere. He's better than Moses. He's better than the angels. He offers a better sacrifice. He mediates a better covenant. Jesus is better. I've given you that word of exhortation. Do not bail on Jesus. Do not go back to the old Jewish rituals thinking that you can do a combo of Jesus and rituals to be saved. Stick with Jesus. He is better. That has been his word of exhortation. And he is confident that his brothers and his sisters will persevere. Verse 23. 
take notice that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom if he comes soon, I will see you. And this is good news. Timothy's probably the same Timothy we know from First and Second Timothy. He's been released from jail, probably put there for following Jesus and proclaiming Christ. And he's saying, if Timothy comes, we'll come together and we'll visit you. And then finish it out with verse 24 and 25. Greet all of your leaders, all the saints, those from Italy greet you. Grace be with you all. So he's greeting the leaders. He's sending his blessings to those from Italy. Grace be with you all. Grace is abounding in the church. Grace is there for our perseverance. So those are the personal ending. Now we're going to look at verse 20 and 21 where we have this amazing prayer blessing combination. And that's what we're going to land on this morning. So let's look at this prayer blessing. We can break it down easily, okay? Let's start in verse 20. Now the God of peace. Let's stop right there. Think about how dangerous their lives are. They're being persecuted. They're having their stuff stolen. Some of them are being thrown in jail. They're enduring persecution. And they're saying, now may the God of peace. Things may be chaotic in your church, you Hebrews, but God is a God of peace. And if you've been reconciled to him, his wrath is no longer on you. So you have a relationship with the God of peace. Bring it into your life. To have peace in your life does it not mean that your circumstances are peaceful. Because some of your circumstances are chaotic. Some of the relationships that you have, if you're honest, are borderline psycho. And there's issues there. And it bothers you. But what we're seeing here is that our God is a God of peace. And in a relationship with him, we can have his peace invade our lives and we can live to what is being known, the peace of God that surpasses understanding can guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. How many of you ever experienced peace in a crazy circumstance? Yeah, you have. Explain that. You're like, I can't because it's a peace that surpasses understanding and it comes from the God of peace. There's this book by uh, an author many of you have read, Nancy Guthrie. And the book's called, God Does His Best Work With Empty. God Does His Best Work With Empty. And some of you may be feeling pretty empty right now. Maybe you've gone through some really rough waters recently and you're, you're empty. But we know that God does his best work right there. What does he do his best work with? Well, he'll give you grace. He'll give you mercy. And he'll fill that emptiness with his peace. Now, may the God of peace, not peaceful circumstances, not peaceful resolutions, not figuring out all of life's problems, but now the God of peace will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Let's keep going. I could talk about that a long time. Verse 20. Now, the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant. And this eternal covenant is the same as the new covenant that we saw in chapter 8. It was inaugurated through the blood of Christ. In this eternal covenant, we have a variety of blessings. And I can just 
just hit these off for you. Think about all the blessings you have in this relationship with the Father through Jesus. Uh, You have forgiveness of sins. You can now draw near to God. Satan who holds the power of death is rendered ultimately powerless. We have peace with God. We have a new heart and a new mind. We have been given a new spirit. We can obey the commands of God. And this covenant lasts forever because Jesus' atonement lasts forever. The Father's stamp of approval is upon this eternal covenant because he accepted the sacrifice of Christ. And we know that he accepted the sacrifice of Jesus because he raised from the dead. And this means that this new covenant, this eternal covenant, this relationship that we have with the Father is through Jesus Christ. And it says that he is the great shepherd of the sheep. He's your shepherd. And as we've been comparing how great Jesus is and better than the Old Testament imagery, the thought here is that maybe he's even comparing him to the shepherd of Moses, that Jesus is a greater shepherd. He mediates a better covenant than Moses. Moses was a shepherd leaving God's people out of Egypt. Jesus is the great shepherd who came to lead us out from his grave. Jesus is the great shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He is the good shepherd who lays down his life continually for the sheep. But our great shepherd not only died for us, but he also guides us into God's will. Basically, if you took the book of Hebrews... And you say, Jesus is our chief shepherd. He is our great shepherd, lays down his life for the sheep. He is better. He is greater. And here's the good news. Every single one in here, in here can get in on this good news. Jesus is better through his life, death, and resurrection. And he is better and he has always been there for you. I learned something recently. I'm a child of the 80s. And I thought I knew all the music from the 80s. My wife does, but I thought I knew it all as well. But I've never heard of a Kate Bush song called Running Up That Hill. I didn't know that song. But if you ask anyone under 25 right now, they will know that song. People under 25 will know a song from the 80s that I don't even know. It's because this song was played during a pivotal scene on this TV show called Stranger Things, which I'm sure most of you have never heard of. And this song, get this, has been around for 40 years. And it's hit number one on the UK charts now. So for 40 years, I could have enjoyed this song that I knew nothing about until right now. Jesus is better. He's always been better. And let's just be honest. Some of you, and this is not, this is not a knock on you, some of you waited till late in your life to finally enjoy Jesus. By God's grace, he awakened you. Some of you would say that this time in your life is the most alive you've ever felt and the closest you've ever experienced God through Jesus. He's been there all along. You could have started walking with him years ago, but now's the time. And that is something we rejoice in. But I want to say to to anyone in here, I don't know who needs to hear this. Some of you are still plodding along, finding your enjoyment and other things that you think are better than Jesus. And the word to you this morning is, Jesus is better. Always the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you can have a relationship with him 
starting right now. You don't need to wait till next week. Might not even have it. The good news, my brothers and sisters, that you can go tell people in the village that don't know is that Jesus Christ lived a life they couldn't live, died a death they couldn't die, rose again from the dead, and whoever puts their faith in him can live forever. That's the message you have. And you can knock on your neighbor's door and you can say, hey, neighbor, you can get in on this. And I know you may be here this morning thinking that you've done some pretty horrible things. Welcome, we all have. There is forgiveness in Jesus. And you don't have to wait 40 years. You won't have 40 years to get in on this. You can start following Jesus and discover that he is better today. So the Hebrews started following Jesus. They're going along. They're called to obey, and they want to keep obeying. For those of you who have been following Jesus for a long time or just for the last week or two, how can you keep pressing on in the things that you know? How can you keep obeying? And that's where we're going to finish up. This is really good. Verse 21. So he talks about this, Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory forever and ever. I want to make sure you're not missing this. God has given you everything you need to do his will. No one should ever say, I, don't, I can't do his will. No, no, he's given you everything you need to do his will. Every good thing that comes from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. You are fully equipped to do the will of God. You are fully equipped to obey the commands of God. And you say, well, how? Well, Holy Spirit lives in you. Word of God is presented to you. And in this context, we can say God's grace is available to strengthen you and to persevere you so that you can love difficult people, so that you can live a life of purity, live a life of generosity, live a life of obeying the commands of God, live a life of advocating situations of injustice. For the past several decades, we've had brothers and sisters empowered by God to care for the unborn and their mothers. And this week does not stop that that will continue to care for the unborn and the most. And, and you say, well, well, how can we continue to advocate for justice? How can we continue to obey? How can we continue to stay pure? How can we continue? And when the answer is, well, God's grace will enable you to walk in the will of God. Now, I want to make sure this part you don't understand. Because sometimes we think, okay, God gives us grace and I use the grace to accomplish his will. So he gives me the goods and I, and I use the goods. Well, th that's true, but not completely accurate. Because if you're not careful, you will think that you love people just because you took the biblical principles and utilized them. Or you ate, overcame some sin in your life because you utilized the weapons of the word of God. Or you overcame your love of money because of your extra quiet time that you did. You see, if you're not careful, you'll think that you're simply obeying the word of God in your own power because God has given you the goods. And so basically what we're saying is that you can obey God without God. 
And that's not what God is saying. That is not what is in the word of God. That's why you need the second part of Hebrews 13. Look at the second part of verse 21. He will equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So this verse is saying that God has given you everything to do his will, and at the same time, he's going to work in you to do his will. I'll make sure you get this. Sometimes we think that God has given us commands, and he says to us, well, I sure hope you can figure that out. I've given you a command, just, just go ahead and do it. No, he said he's given us his command, and he's going to work in us to do that command. Have you ever uh, heard this verse, uh, a couple of them in Philippians 2, 12 through 13, where it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So the idea is that we are called to use activity, empowered to work out our salvation, to obey, and yet at the same time, God is working in us. So if I'm calling you to obey the word of God, it's not to do it without God. Because God will empower you to obey his word. And how, how do you walk in that? Well, you, you pray, say, Lord, help me to obey you. It's a difficult situation. I can't do this. And after you obey the Lord, you say, Lord, thank you. Praise God. You did it. We come to him for power. We praise him for doing it. And how you can be sure that God is going to equip you to do his will is because Jesus Christ, what this whole book has been about, lived a perfect life, died and rose again to save you. And we know from the word of God that justification guarantees sanctification. What we mean by that is that justification, you've been declared right in God's eyes through Jesus Christ. It proves that he is going to sanctify you. He's going to equip you to do his will. And if you want to camp out on any verses, camp out on that verse 21, that he is here to equip us to do his will, which is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So now back to my commencement speech. And here's the question. Now that you know what you know about God and his will, how are you going to keep doing it? By God's grace, by God's grace through Jesus, you'll persevere. You'll persevere in doing the will of God. You'll persevere in pleasing him. And you can be sure this is going to happen because he has saved you and he is now sanctifying you. And some of you may be struggling right now to do the will of God. Grace is available. Now, I really don't want the book of Hebrews to end. I, I, I want to try to draw this out as long as I can, but I'll have mercy on you. Basically, what we're saying is that God's grace is available for you to obey no matter what. But don't leave out love. You obey God through Jesus because you love him. There's something in you that just loves him. And you don't want to sin. You love him and you want to obey. You love him. I read a story this week, and I don't know if any of you remember this, but in 1960, there was this guy named John Quinn. He was just 23 years old, and he really loved his wife. He loved her so much. And then when she was going to deliver their son, he wanted to be with her in the delivery room. That wasn't normal in 1960, right? And so he's in there. 
And the doctor's like, all right, man, you got to get out of here. And he's like, oh, I love my wife. I got to stay in here. I'm sorry. And, the, and he and the doctor are getting into this heated exchange. And he's like, I'm not leaving. I love my wife. I'm going to stay here for her. And they're like, we're going to call the cops. He's like, I'm ready for you to call the cops. I'm prepared. And so he pulls out this chain and he chains himself to his wife. And the doctor's like, well, we, we got to deliver this baby. So he stays in the whole time, deliver the baby, and the cops are there. And um, when it was all said and done, um, baby's delivered, everything's fine. He unchains himself and walks right by the cops that are scratching their head like, what is going on? You'll often find as a Christian that love will compel you to do things that may seem kind of odd, kind of radical, kind of weird. Did you understand that the Hebrews had their stuff stolen and they were joyful? People were thrown into prison. They went to go visit. There's nothing too radical in following Jesus and love compels that obedience. But my brothers and sisters, we can love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Your father in heaven loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. Your father in heaven loves you so much that he gives you good things to grow in him. And the imagery that Jesus gives is earthly fathers who are evil can give good gifts to their children. How much more can our heavenly father who's perfect give good gifts to you? The Bible calls me an evil father, and yet I still want to do good things for my children. I mentioned to you uh, several uh, months back to my shame that when I take my kids to the movie theater sometimes in the past, and I don't want to pay for popcorn, and yet I still want them to have popcorn, I will go and shop for it in the trash and give them popcorn. Why? Evil father give good gifts. So check this out. Friday night, I had my youngest son. He was doing this musical, 101 Dalmatians, and they were making popcorn. And it was really good. And I said, I got to get my son some popcorn. He did a good job acting. I love him. But by the time the play was done, the popcorn was closed. I guess they all sold out. So I felt bad. So I started looking around. (laughs) I found some popcorn. Halfway full on the ground, sitting over there. So I love my son. I love my son. I want to give him popcorn. So I gave him popcorn. And he was asking me questions like, Dad, wow, how much was this? Where'd you get this? Don't ask questions. Don't ask questions. Enjoy your popcorn. That's me going out of my way as an evil father to give my son junky gifts, right? Think how much our Father in heaven loves you. He loves you so much. He's given you mercy. He's given you grace. He's forgiven your sins. Oh, all the sins. He's given you Jesus. And he's given you everything for life and godliness. And the invitation to you is, come on. Come join this love and follow him. And follow him until you see him. And may he be glorified. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for allowing us to study your word these last several months. 
about perseverance, about you persevering in and through us. And I just pray for my brothers and sisters, maybe they're here this morning and they're discouraged or distracted. Let them know that you love them, that you've not left them, you've not forsaken them, you're there for them, and you'll hold them tight. And the work that you begin in them, you will finish until the day of Christ Jesus. So enable us, Lord, to look to you, to cling to you, to work out this salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that you are working in us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.